Pick up the pieces. Oh, shit. It's that day. It's Monday, a beautiful fucking day to be alive. Monday, December 3rd, you bad motherfuckers. Welcome to the Church of What's Happening Now, my little brother, the flying Jew, Lee Sayat. Good morning. Good morning to you, my little fucking bearded friend. Look at you. <laughs> like a little Cuban Jew Fidel and shit. I look like I'm fucking six if I don't have a beard. All right, it then looks whatever. Weird. I don't know. I like it. Then whatever. You look a hit. Where's Tony Bennett? Hit me. Come on, baby. It's Monday. We got a fucking great day today. <laughs> Listen, motherfuckers, it's your time. Get up. Wake up. Wash your pussies. Wash your face. Take the Sandman out of your fucking eyeballs. Get out there. Gargle with Listerine. Kill that old pussy breath. Get out there. You get a job. Go mug somebody. Go do something with your fucking self. Go to a library. Read a fucking book. Something. Knowledge is power. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I love it. What's happening, Lisa? Yeah, that was your weekend, you filthy motherfucker. It was great, man. Yeah, I, uh, I had just off. relaxed. Huh? You just relaxed. Oh, uh, I did. But uh, the reason why I had to relax Saturday was because I had a holiday party. And I don't drink much, but when when Jews see an open bar and a buffet... You tore it up. I talked to you Friday. <laughs> you were all happy and shit. You were all happy. Oh, I was you hammered me. You, you were looking for the chick to fart in your face. He was all fucked up. But then you don't understand about your job. This is what I don't understand about these people. They get you out. They drink you up. Yeah. They get you all fooded up. Yeah. Then they made you go back to work like a Puerto Rican at I 10 know. o'clock till 5 in the morning. What the fuck is wrong with these people? I was surprised they let us go. Because like, I, I just thought since it was uh, fr- a weeknight... And we were supposed to be working. I just figured the people who had to work couldn't go, but... So you I, had a nice time. Yeah, they, they let us go, and I got fucked up. I got... I don't know if you ever did this, but uh, I got drunk, because I hadn't eaten all day, and then we ate dinner. And then I had to... I got drunk again, so I was... I was it was... Ooh, they had these... Time, they had these cinnamon whiskey shots. Oh, you got It was like apple cider. It was so fucking good. And you don't even taste them going down. No. You, <laughs> you don't drink. You're like me, so you get fucked up quick. I'm a big guy, so it takes a little bit longer. But yeah, I, I drink like once every few months. I'm just not really big into like the. I don't know how people do it every night. I just I. I, I, I would die too. I used to be able to drink like three nights a week. You know, a couple fucking cocktails, a couple fucking bumps of coke. Well, when I say drink, I mean like hammered, like a, a couple, oh, yeah, drink, a couple drinks of dinner. Listen, once you do you know? coke, you get an empty leg. You could just fill that motherfucker up. That's why people do blow so they could drink more. I have a friend that would. I had a, a friend that was a professional. Had a seat in the New York Stock Exchange, and on Friday nights when I lived in New York in '94, he'd pick me up. We'd go buy a, bl- a gram of blow from him. He'd do two bumps and he'd give me the gram. Really? Because that's all he needed. He wanted just to do two bumps so he could drink. Because he, in his mind, he could drink more. And then if I seen him later on in the night, he'd ask me for two more bumps because it takes the edge off the fucking alcohol. A lot of people don't know. Oh, that so shit. like alcohol slows you down and that speeds you up? This will speed you right up and get that alcohol burning. You don't even get drunk. You just be pissing all night. You're like, where the fuck is this gin and tonics going? They're going in here at eight bucks and they're coming out the fucking helmet. That's why Jews going in an empty stomach so you get drunk with them. <laughs> Who, right. Why are you going to snort coke to so you make the $10 drinks not work? You're a fucking savage, Lee. Anyway, thank God Lee got fucked up. He got it out of the way. He had his three little cocktails. He combed his third hair. It's over. It's Monday, you bad motherfuckers. Me, myself, I was in New York for a few days last week. Then Saturday, I flew into Vegas. I had to go do the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. I want to give a shout-out to my little brother, Jersey, putting that show together with Brian Callen and my girl, Sarah Colon. I got to tell you something else, guys. Starting January 24th, I'm going to be doing a weekend every month 
at the Riviera and Vegas. So Fridays and Saturdays, if you're flying out, this is two weeks before Super Bowl weekend, so don't do nothing for your cause. They're not just going to give me Super Bowl weekend. They're making me work for it. So it's Andrew Dice Clay for two weeks, Amy Schumer for one week, and yours truly from the church of what's happening now, your Uncle Joey Diaz one week. So you're doing a whole weekend? No, I'm just doing Thursday. Yeah, I'm doing the whole fucking weekend. What do you think I'm talking about here, cocksuckers? So now if you're going to fly out to Vegas, you want to spend some time, make one of those stops at Uncle Joey's at the Riv. You know what I'm saying? Stop on buying the Riv. It's a weird, different fucking hotel. That's like old Vegas, It's old Vegas. Old, old, old Vegas. You can still (laughs) smell Dean Martin's balls on the fucking elevator. But come on out, say hello, I'll be there. You know what I'm saying? And beside that, football, what happened, Lee? New England won. Uh, they covered. Did they cover? They won by, like, I think a touchdown. So is Miami. They might not have covered that. Um, right, they're probably giving like nine in Miami or something like that. Yeah, but fucking Dallas won finally. Tony Romo has the most TDs. He has more TDs than Troy I fucking read that yesterday, and I can't believe I didn't see them. I didn't fucking see those TDs. He hasn't won a Super Bowl, has he? No, no I don't see those fucking TDs. I'm not even sure he, if he. I don't even think he's won a playoff game. He might no, have won one. That's what I understand about this guy. I tried to look it up when I seen that fact. I'm like, what the fuck kind of bullshit is that? More talk, but whatever. Who gives a fuck? I don't know if you guys know out there today. Get your fucking reefer out. It's the man's birthday. You know, let me tell you something. Let me break something down for you guys. I never told nobody before, especially on the podcast. <laughs> when I'm out doing fucking comedy and having a good time with you guys and at clubs, there's always like five or six people that come up to me. And they pull me aside and they go, hey, man, Joey, thank you very much for what you do. And I sit there and I get embarrassed. I get embarrassed because I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I just come here and talk shit and insult the flying Jew and other people. <laughs> and, and I'm just trying to be myself with you guys. I don't know what the fuck I do. But... A lot of people pull me aside sometimes. They go, bro, you know, by you getting locked up and this and that, whatever bullshit story, uh, you inspire me. When people come up to me and say you inspire me, I want to stab myself and then stab them. Oh, really? And, yeah, I don't. And I'm talking about stab myself, die, and then come back to life and stab them just because to spook the fuck out of them because they just freak <laughs> the fuck out of me. When somebody says to me, you inspire me, you freak the fuck out of me. And I understand where you're coming from or whatever. Uh,. You know, I was down for a long fucking time. And when I first got down, when I was like 15 or 16, when I first went into my rut, you know, I I didn't have anything. The only thing I had was fucking music. That's why music is my day. That's why I open up with music for you guys. Because it's energy. It don't cost you nothing. Well, it costs you something at the album store. (laughs) I used to shoplift the albums at Pathmark. So it didn't really fucking matter. But my point being, it's just something. It's an artist that puts something positive together and and he tries to give you a piece of what he's fucking doing. And either you fall for it or you don't. And this is the thing I didn't understand when you people come and tell me this shit. When I went through my hard part, I always loved fucking Black Sabbath. I don't know why I loved Zeppelin. I loved, you know, Pat Bennett. I loved everybody. Oh, I love everybody. But except that fucking weight guy. That fucking <laughs> nightmare. I'll stab him. But uh, one guy that I really communicated with, because a lot of people say that this music communicates with their lyrics. Or uh, you might communicate with some of these lyrics. Like there's a song on the radio now. But every time I hear it, I want to take the car and run over like 10, 20-year-olds. What's that? That song about, uh, they say you're a wild one. Some chick, I don't know, that he's a wild one. Guys oh, are like yeah, 18 yeah. and 19 love when a girl calls him a wild guy. Like, that girl said, I'm fucking wild. She heard about me. You're a fucking <laughs> half a fruitcake. She heard about me? Yeah, she heard about you, fucking idiot. And uh, it's, But it's weird that some people communicate that like that, that guy's singing about me. Mm-hmm. Or he's singing about the situation I'm going through or something. And one of the bands that, one of the guys I really got into was Ozzy Osbourne. I mean, 
You know, the thing I like about Black Sabbath is not a happy fucking song. This morning I was into National Acrobat. It starts off fucking weird. They play some guitar, and then they smoothen out everything. They break it down for you. That's why I like Master Reality. I love that album because it's a scary album, but if you listen to what he's trying to say, it ain't that fucking scary. He's just t- asking you, do you know what's going to happen when you fucking die? Do you want to see the Pope at the end of a rope? Do you think he's a fool? Just questions. Uh, it's his fucking birthday today. That's it. Ozzy Osbourne, December 3rd. Let's give a little happy birthday. I opened up with Sabbath Bloody Sabbath. That's my jam. Hit it, Lee, a little Sabbath Bloody. Break out that fucking joint. Spark it. It's that type of day. This guy was a soldier. Wait, what's going on? Hit it. Oh, shit. And I mixed it up this morning. I had uh, Junior's Eyes. I had fucking You Won't Change It from Technical Ecstasy. But this, to me, these are the fucking blueprint lyrics to why I do what I fucking do. You follow me? Hit it! The race is full. The moon is red. VN begins to show. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? He just drops it. The truth is out. The lies are old. So you don't want to know. You don't want to know. Wiggle for Uncle Joey Lee. Come on, baby. There you go. Look at Lee. Smoother than a motherfucker. <laughs> when you ask the reasons why. That's it. When you ask the reasons why, nobody will tell you the fucking truth. They fucking beat around the bush. Don't worry about why. Just do what you got to do. You know what I'm saying? You got to get up. You got to wash your pussy. You got to brush your teeth. You got to eat something nice. Take some fucking vitamins. Smoke some reefer and get out there. I want to have you do like a, a director's commentary of each song. <laughs> like, you don't, have to, you don't have to know the reason why, motherfucker. Like, I, I don't even know what other song you would do. But like, if you did like uh, Tony Bennett, I want to be around. <laughs> Just if you yeah, did you director's know, commentary. Oh, that's out of respect for my mom. But, you know, it, it, it's so weird in our life that I was, I was thinking about it, And I talked to you about this before. When I was 20, 21, I had a fucking tremendous bleeding ulcer. I had a horrible bleeding ulcer. I would bleed from my ass, from my stomach. I'd have to drink that KO pectate. I had to be on medication. And one day the doctor asked me, what the fuck are you worried about? And I used to worry about everything. It's like this morning you came to me and you were like fucking around with the computer. And you're like, did you hear what happened in Kansas City? The guy shot himself. Yeah. Did you hear what happened in Cleveland? The guy committed suicide. I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, you know what? Part of it is great, but right now you're behind the eight ball. Fix the fucking computer, all right? Don't worry about the guy who killed himself in Cleveland. You follow me? I mean, hey, you got to worry about this shit. But it's so weird how much we're concerned with shit that has nothing to do with us in our day. It really fucking doesn't. It really doesn't. You don't know. Like, I'm 50 now, and I'm like, fuck, I used to worry about this and that. And you don't have to worry about nothing. All you got to do is like that expression. Uh, yours is not the reason why. Yours is just to do or die. It really fucking is. Oh, I like at the that. End I haven't heard that. Is that from a song? No, no. Your teachers tell you that shit. I heard like that. Like when you ask a stupid question to stall, you know, it's like, it's like, uh, it's like you're stalling kind of in a way. Like you want to show the class how smart you are. So do we do it on this? Or Here's not the reason why. Yours is just to fucking do or die. Don't worry about the <laughs> fuck why they do this and why the stars come down. It's got nothing to do with you. It's nothing to do with the price of eggs. That's why I tell people all the time. Nothing to do with the fucking price of eggs. Nothing. Some people say, what are the price eggs? I have no fucking idea. <laughs> I bring a coupon. I'm a half a fucking Jew. But what I'm trying to say to you is sometimes just focus on what's on your fucking plate. What's ahead of you. You know how many times people contact me? They want to do this. They want to do that. I got six things on my plate. When I was 18, I would have taken it and I would have been greedy. 
but it's the law of diminishing returns. The more you mm-hmm. do, the less you could do to that particular fucking thing. Keep your plate small, give everything 150% and something will work out. But if you're working on 20 things and you're worried about this, that, this, that, nothing's going to come together. You're just going to spread yourself out thin. That's why here at the Church of What's Happening Now, we work with what the fuck is in front of you, cocksucker. Like UFC weekend this week. It's in Seattle, I think, this week. Is it really? Fuck cool. yeah, great fights too. You got Benson Henderson against Little Diaz. You got fucking Gustafson against my man. Gustafson looks like fucking Jax Teller from Sons of Anarchy. Is fighting Shogun Rua. And you got one other fucking great fighter. BJ Penn. BJ Penn is writing for Rory McDonald. I wonder when the heck the Lombard uh, whatever fight is. But anyway, that fight's up in Seattle. My buddy's going to be up there. He's going to call up next week. Uh, Ex-UFC fighter. My brother, Ivan Salivary. But today, I got the best referee working in the fucking business calling up today. Herb Dean. He's going to talk to you about refereeing, how he got into it, and the referee school that he has if you guys are lost. And, and when I talked to him the other day, you know, uh, here, here's what I know one thing about life, kids and guys, because I was with you. I didn't know what the fuck was going on. I didn't get into comedy until I was 28. So from the age of 17 or 18, that you get out of high school to 28, I was walking around just like you fucking momos. I didn't know. I knew I wanted to do some ent- entertainment. I thought that, you know, uh, uh, you know, Eddie Murphy was in a bar, and, and some guy walked in and said, hey, I want to put you in a movie, and that's how the movie <laughs> thing worked. That really did. That's how naive I was. That's how I would have, That's the things I had heard. I that's, had heard. The, that's all the stories you hear. You don't hear the yeah. stories like you working for 20 years. Yeah, ago. you don't hear that shit. You know, you hear about <laughs> Bruce Willis being a bartender, and Michael Mann offering him a job in Miami Vice, and then the next thing you know, he was on Moonlighting. If a lot of you people ever seen uh, Bruce Willis on Miami Vice, first season when he plays Tony Armada, the gun runner, God damn, and he beats <laughs> his wife. God damn, that's when fucking uh, Bruce Willis was bad to the bone. It's funny because when he got that role, he was in Miami, and he kept worrying about this role that was going to happen in New York. He was going to lose his job. I guess he got fired from the bar for taking Miami Vice. Okay. And once he got moonlighting, he bought the fucking building and fired the owner or something uh, like that. But that's what I thought. I didn't know. I remember sitting there watching stupid movies in 88, and I had to be 25 years old watching like uh, videos or something. And a friend of mine said, you know, my buddy's a camera guy. And me bothering him for like a month going, hey, man, talk to your camera buddy. See what I got to do to get into movies. And when I was a kid, when I was about a little older, a little younger than that, when I was about 20, I lived in uh, Snowmass Village. And I used to work at a video store. And Michael Douglas used to come in. A lot of guys used to come in. I would ask them stupid questions of the, the, the guy, uh, Bruce, uh, what's his name? Uh, the little fucking guy, uh, Mark and Mindy. What's his Robin name? Williams. Robin Williams would come in stinking with body odor all coked up. <laughs> but uh, one of the guys I used to bother with is a guy named John Link. Mm-hmm. And John Link was an editor. He edited Commando. He edited the second or third Steven Seagal movie. Wow. He was a little guy, and I would bug him about it. And he's like, man, you got to go to acting school. And I'm like, acting school? Fuck you. <laughs> I'm, then I wasn't going to be an actor. But <laughs> the point of this being was that I didn't know where to start. Sometimes you don't know where to start. And I'm sure that a lot of you guys on on Saturdays or during the week watch the UFC and you're like, boy, that's an interesting career to be a fucking referee. But where do you start? Do you have to have previous experience? Do you Should you have been a fighter before? Do you have to know jujitsu? A lot of people don't know that. I didn't know this either. Like, there's a chick that's a referee. You ever see her with a ponytail? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Skinny chick. She's so pretty I, good. Yeah, she's pretty good. So I didn't really know what this was. So... 
by talking to him, you know, I've met her a bunch of times at the fights and we giggle. You know, her flies out of Burbank like me all the time to Vegas. There's no reason to go to LAX to fly to fucking <laughs> Vegas. So you fly like a professional. You go to Burbank and I always see her, but I've had a conversation with him about Kempo Karate. I'm a big Kempo Karate fan and all that. And uh, he's helped me out with some questions. So when I bumped into him the other day, we were talking about the referee school. I told him, Doug, you got to call a fucking podcast and tell a lot of these guys, uh, you know, how it started for you. And uh, I remember years ago hearing uh, Dana White in an interview saying that uh, he's one of the best referee in the fucking business. I didn't know that he had uh, he had ref this Tim Sylvia fight when he broke his arm. Okay. He's been involved in some great fucking fights, and uh, uh, I got a lot of respect for him. You know, I got a lot of respect for all those people. So, and the thing about a great referee is like what happened earlier this year in the. Uh and in the NFL when they had the replacement refs and everyone was pissed off because they're making bad calls. A great referee is someone who doesn't, it sounds bad, but in a good way, doesn't disrupt the fight. They're there to make sure everything ha- like is following the rules. It's smooth, but it's like, smooth. And I'm sure, I, I'm sure he's a good guy because I'm sure the UFC doesn't have bad refs, but for some reason I just don't like that Eve guy. That French guy, Avril Levine, whatever. Yeah, Levine. He, yeah. He, I'm sure he's a good guy, but I like I I like Herb. He seems cool. He doesn't he doesn't run in there and, and, and bother stuff. And what don't uh, you like about Eve Levine? I've just I I he, I don't I, he he was in the the Canadian one, and I felt like he was giving the Canadian too much, and he uh, he was one of the ones that would stop them when they were doing jujitsu stuff and get uh, him off the floor. And yeah, all that stuff. it's weird because the reason why I liked Herb. I like her being. I watched him in there. and I've seen him after fights and how cordial he is and how he talks to people. And he takes time to give autographs and take pictures. So I like, and I've seen Eve Levine out eating also, and I've seen him. So I, I don't really know him personally as much as I know like Herb. So yeah. I really can't uh, sit here. But uh, Tim Donahue was a very great call we had last week, and I dropped the ball. So I'm sorry, guys. I dropped the drop- ball. I should have asked him different questions. I should have had him on. We'll have him on again. That. We'll have him on again, guys, but I dropped the ball. And that's one thing about me is I fucking tell you when you fuck up, you claim responsibility. I wasn't ready. I didn't know the magnitude of it. I ordered the book on Amazon. It mm-hmm. should be it today or tomorrow. Okay. And once I read the book, I'll know more or less what the fuck's going on, you know, then I could really uh, interview him and get into the nuts and bolts. Well, the thing with that guy is, like, I... I was thinking when he would call out, I wanted to ask him if he thinks all sports are fixed. But he he's probably done 8,000 interviews, and you like your type of interview isn't like the Jay Leno Tonight Show interview where he's just trying to sell something. Like you, Your best interviews are where it's someone you connect with, so you don't want to hit him up with, well, do you think all sports are this, and he's just going to go into whatever he's uh, fucking talked about for 8,000 times. That's been bothering you. You really think all sports are fixed? I think they have to be. I think that the line readers have just been doing it for a long time. They know exactly what's going on. They know a lot of things that we don't know. And uh, I, I would hate to say that just sports The, the storylines are so... They're so good and there's always one player and then and then it just it seems like the storylines always match up so it's Boston and Miami and L.A. and Boston and, uh, and then New York and the Gi- the Giants and the Patriots will probably... Might be in the Super Bowl again for the third time, and if to me, if it was fixed, that'd be even more impressive because that means they have to like the players have to be in on it. And you got to start smoking a little bit more dope. You're thinking about shit that you know what I'm saying. Wouldn't dope make that worse? What's that? Wouldn't pot make that worse? No, it would make you think about things that are important, like eating that black chick's ass when she farts in your eyeball next fucking month. All right? <laughs> this month we got her coming out. She's gonna fart in your face at the end of the world show. 
We're going to get you a nice eye patch, the whole fucking thing. You got insurance, right? <laughs> I just want to make sure. I don't want to answer that question now. Teeth, you know what I'm saying? She's going to fart in your fucking mouth. Oh. You're out there smoking that reefer today. It's Monday. Get up. Go out there. Justify your fucking existence, cocksuckers. Wash your ass. Wash your feet. Get out there. It's a beautiful fucking day to be alive. They ain't nothing to be fucking sad about, dog. Plus, like I told you guys, today's Chango's, tomorrow, tonight at midnight is Chango's fucking birthday. I can't, I'm supposed to do this library thing tonight, this thing downtown. I can't do it because I'm working on two different shows today. So I got to call them. So remind me to fucking cancel that thing. I keep forgetting <laughs> I can't do this tonight. But uh, today I'm going to, I don't have a movie for you guys today. The movie I got for you guys is Wednesday. Sunday is Lee's Day. We're doing a special fucking podcast for gambling and for all my brothers out there, the Jews in the fucking struggle. It's Hanukkah. So I want to sit here with you Sunday at 9 a.m., which is 12 o'clock Eastern time. And we're going to fuck around and bullshit with you guys, see what Lee's going to do for Hanukkah. We're going to bring the menorah. We're going to light it on fire. We're going to let the ghost come in, a fucking Gabriel, whatever, Moses, Abdullah. Gabriel. Whatever his fucking name is. And then Wednesday, I got a great fucking movie I'm breaking down for you guys. It's going to be great. But today, I'm going to break down an album that uh, I grew up on. You know, when I play music here for you guys or a movie, like yesterday, somebody had hit me up and said, bro, you should talk about Donnie Brasco. Listen, Donnie Brasco was a great movie. Uh, uh Travolta, uh, not Travolta, fucking Patino was great, and uh, the other guy, who else was in Donnie Brasco, the good-looking guy, you know, the guy that was in Dark Shadows, the guy that plays in Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, Johnny Depp. Johnny fucking Depp. Well, it was Johnny Depp and whatever, and Johnny Depp's performance as a wise guy or a mobster or whatever, a wise guy, is a great part. He did great, and and, uh, I like the one guy, I like a couple lines. Is it a classic? Did it fucking inspire me to, to get out? Nah, not really. So would I put it on here? I'll put it on here and jerk you guys off, but it's not something that pushes my envelope. It's not something that fucking gives me passion when I listen to it. One of the albums I'm going to play for you this morning, I'm sorry because I went off on you last week about speaking another uh, language in public, but this is not public. This is what you <laughs> on your own. One of the greatest albums that I have ever listened to is these two guys from Cuba named Patato y Totico. Totico was an abacua like my stepfather, and he was, not, he was dead in night, Nico. Uh, that my stepdad shot Nico. Oh, really? So that's the first time I knew what an abaqua was about, how close they were. They would always talk to each other at different Santeria parties. My stepdad and the singer, uh, his name is, uh, the fuck is the name? Totico. His name is Eugene Totico Arango. But uh, I didn't know how tight the abaquas were till that night. Because he was going to put a bullet in the fucking guy, too, just out of principle. He didn't know what the fuck was, it was about. And I realized where the music was coming from with these guys. Patato, I grew up with. Uh, this week, I'm going to have my uncle, hopefully, this week on Duncan's uh, Family Hour. And my uncle's going to tell the story about how I almost smacked Patato. <laughs> Patato was like five foot tall. And when I was like 10, I was like five foot tall. And I remember my uncle coming to New York one time to visit from L.A. We were at a Cuban party. And me saying to my uncle, stick around, I'm going to beat the fuck out of Patato today. <laughs> and my uncle till this day goes, that's the day I realized you were hell on wheels when you were 10 and you wanted to beat up this poor Patato guy who was a man at the time. I used to be a conga player. I still am. I'm a badass conga player. You play the a lot conga? People, yeah, fuck yeah. A lot of people don't know that. It's in my blood. My, my family's very musical. Mm-hmm. So I always wanted to be a part of his fucking band, especially listening to this album. But in 1968, they released an album with Kachow and fucking... Uh, it is just a classic. They call it the fucking uh, masterpiece to, to, to music. Uh, what the fuck do they call it here? They say it is 1968 
It's one of the definitive rumba records in the U.S. Because it covers everything. Latin jazz, it covers everything. The band is Israel Chacal, who Andy Garcia paid $40,000 to Fidel Castro to get him out of Cuba. They have him as a national fucking treasure. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Okay, now you fucking know. So Fidel, they, Fidel just takes uh, Takes cash. <laughs> they got Arsenio Rodriguez on Trace. They got fucking Carlos Pachao. They got Israel Cachao, Eugene Totico Rango. I mean, this album never fucking ends. We're going to play a couple cuts off it or after Herb Dean calls. And that's basically it, brother. It's Monday. Make your motherfucking time count, bitches. You know what I'm saying? What the fuck? We got great, great fights next week, though. Who do you like in the Gustafson fight? I, I don't know anybody, man. I, those are, I, I, I want uh, Diaz to win. I know Diaz and, Little the, Diaz and the other guy. Little Diaz to beat Ben Henderson? Yeah, I don't really like Ben Henderson. And there's nothing against him. He looks like Will Smith fighting. That's why he drives <laughs> me fucking nuts. But he's a fighter, and I, got him, I give him all the respect in the world. And then I don't, know, I don't know if Herb is even big into fighting, or he can even talk about who he thinks is better. But for me, when people come back, it, it's, it very rarely seems to work out. So what do you think about BJ Penn coming back? Who knows? He's a lot older, but he's... Uh, let me tell you something about BJ. He's a great fighter. And over the years, I, I know a lot of people who know him. I know a lot of people go to Hawaii. And it's like he has uh, problems training. His endurance has always been a problem. You know, his uh, cardio has always been a problem and whatnot. You know, it has to. You have to see something in your life before you can make it happen. you got to be sick and tired of people kicking you in the fucking ass, you know. <laughs> A hooker finally says, I'm never going to suck another fucking dick again. You know, I'm not even trying to be funny. You control your fate in life. Mm -hmm. And you always say to yourself, never again am I going to do this. You know, why go into the ring? Why go into all this shit and keep getting the same result? Either I'm going to quit or I'm going to come back and do this 110 fucking percent. And a lot of people can never make that shit. Now, a lot of people can't make that decision against their life. You know, before it happens, you have to see it. You know, before we did that CD, I sat here for a year and tried to write a CD. But at least I saw it. Mm -hmm. You follow me? Yeah. So before something can happen in this life, you have to see it. And sometimes it takes getting kicked in the fucking stomach 18 fucking times. Or bleeding in front of your mother or, or having a bloody nose. You know, one of the things I love about Anderson Silva is he always says that he doesn't like to go back to his family beat up. That's the last thing he wants. That's the decision you make. You know, there's personal decisions you make in your fucking life. And once you make those decisions, you know, November of, of, of 2007, I made a decision never to do cocaine again. It's December 2012, and I've never done it again. If I came to you and said I relapsed, then I didn't make that decision. I'm a fucking pussy, okay? You have to make a decision and stick to it. That's what life is about. That's what we talked about a couple of years ago about when I don't, I don't like text messages. I don't give a fuck how cool it is to do this shit. I don't like them. Life is your fucking playing field. Mm -hmm. And once you decide what decisions you're going to make in your life, it makes everything easy. I'm not going to do that. And that's it. Or I am going to do that. Or if I do that, I'm going to give it everything I fucking got in my balls because I want to know. You know, Lee, I could have gone home fucking 10 years ago and gone back to Boulder and said, fuck this shit. And so, I mean, I'm a fucking asshole. I could have done it the easy way. I could have sold blow and had a good time. <laughs> it's like when I asked Donaghy last week, do you fucking miss it? You know, if I had to look you in the eye and you ask me right now, Joey, do you miss 2000? Do you miss fucking 1990 of me being in a room in Boulder snorting coke waiting for a chick to come over so I could eat her lastly little pussy? And I consider her my friend. Half of those women I've never talked to again. They were just there for blow. They weren't there for me or for the, you know. 
or do you appreciate what's going on in your life now, the quality of your life now? There's times, do I miss that lifestyle? Not at all. Not at fucking all. I'm happy I made this decision. And that's what a lot of people who know about Hector Laveau. Hector Laveau was a great Spanish fucking singer. But he called himself in. There's a point in your life when you're a boy. And there's a point in life when you become a fucking man. And you have to call yourself in. These are the things I'm not going to do no more. These are the things I am going to do no more. I got a shot at, at when I was 27 or 28 of, of being a man. And I failed. I failed miserably. I had a wife and I had a kid. I failed. And I picked comedy. And, but once I picked comedy, I decided... I'm doing this till the fucking train breaks. There you go. We got Herb Dean at a fucking perfect time. Good morning, brother. What's happening? Uh, sure. What's? I'm happy you called in this morning, my man. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, this is Herb yeah, Dean hey, here. You get to go do it early, huh? Oh, fuck yeah. We don't fuck around. We want to get into their psyche nice and early, dog. We want them thinking about us all fucking day, and you know we're putting them out there on a positive foot. You follow me? That's right, sure. How were the fights Saturday night? Yeah. yeah, the fights were good. Um, you know, you there? He's, it says he's still there. Uh-oh. Herb, can you hear me? No, 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 no. You got to go to a different room, or you got to use the house phone or something. Herb. Did it hang up? No, it's, it's still running. Do you want me to close and have him call back? Yeah, close and have him come back. Yeah, I'll call you back. All right. All right. Thank you. Okay. It happens sometimes. He's up there uh, in the fucking mountains, so it's tough uh, reception. It happens. Not oh, he'll call listen. back. Yeah, he'll call back. What's up, Lee Lee Lee? <laughs> Nothing. I feel great. And that's a... Uh... That's a very true thing about it. You have to make the decision. Is your life? Because every time, every time I've lost weight before, it you make the decision, and there's no, there's no more. Oh, I'll have one more meal. It's just you have to make the decision. You get sick and fucking tired. You know, I yeah. went to box last week, and, and I had no cardio left, and I said, you know what, I gotta quit it out with the fucking smoking cigarettes at night when I go do comedy. And I haven't smoked since. Have you really? You haven't no, smoked? No, 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 not at all, man. Once you make a no patch, no nothing, no nothing at night. That, that's it. You just make a decision as a fucking man. And I did the same thing with Blow and all the decisions I've made in my life, man. You know, you have to. And, and once you go in, if you go against your grain, you'll never succeed. That's what happened to Hector Laveau. Hector Laveau was a great singer. And one day he said, I'm going to stop doing everything. I'm going to become a fucking man and stop doing shit. And he went in and he wrote the best fucking music you ever fucking heard. Latin, Latin, Spanish, Hector Laveau music, whatever, Willie Colon. Motherfucker started getting high again. He got AIDS. His kid shot himself. Oof. The wife left him. You know, nobody... Did, if you ever see what Hector Laveau looked at, like, before he died at the time of his death, no. we'll do something about him on the podcast in a week or two. There's a YouTube video, his last performance. You would have died inside. He had no teeth in his mouth when he died. Oof. You know, it, it's just something that you have to make a call. And it's like I tell people, if you wake up Monday morning, right, like today, if you wake up, and for some reason you stumble on the sports page, and you see Pittsburgh is playing on Sunday. They're playing New England. But something burns you in your heart about Pittsburgh. You're like, fuck it, I'm betting fucking Pittsburgh <laughs> this week. You know, and you, you bet, you're ready to bet Pittsburgh. And then Sunday, Let's see oh, here we go. Herb Dean. Hey, Joey Diaz. All right, baby, you sound good. You sound good now. Sometimes it happens. Right. It's right. bad. Sorry about that. So how were the fights? Yeah. What fights did you uh, ref on Saturday night? 
You know, it was a local promotion over at the Hard Rock. Okay. Uh, a guy named Brad put him on, and uh, it was a good fight. They had, um, you know, it was a good time out. They uh, had, had a DJ and an all-girl rock band playing, and, and uh, good fights. Good for you, man. You know, before you called, I was, I was uh, telling Lee and the people at home that, you know, I've been watching you. We've all been watching you for years. And I was at one of the uh, the fights when after a post-interview and Dana said you were the best referee in the business. And then uh, I always loved you. I love what you do. And then we, you know, I, I talk to you at the airport all the time about Kempo. And I see you walking around and then you're a fucking total gentleman. And I didn't even know you had a referee school or what refereeing had, you know, involved what you had to have to be. And there's that, and that's what me and Lee was saying that there's that female referee. So I didn't know if you had to be a, an extensive martial artist or whatever. You want to break it down how you got into refereeing the whole thing? We want to hear from you. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you all about it, man. Yeah, it's always good to see you. And, and uh, thanks for appreciating what I do. Yeah, man. And watching me. Hey, uh, well. Basically, uh, I, I got into refereeing uh, because, you know, I was involved in the sport. Um, I've been involved in martial arts they, uh, all, all my life. I love martial arts. Um, I uh, used to uh, kickbox every now and then. And one of the gentlemen who, you know, we had the same trainer, Zane Frazier, he uh, was in UFC 1. And so, of course, all of us were geeked out about that. And, you know, we're trying to prepare for those types of competitions. And, you know... Um, Things started happening, and, you know, uh, uh, I was a part of the, you know, little Southern California mixed martial arts team. We'd have a little slap fight. Larry Landless, uh, you know, was a wrestling coach, and he had a fight team called the Submission Factory. And we used to uh, put on smoker events and things like that. And, and he, was also, he was also a referee, and that's how I got started refereeing. Uh, I would go out to help him on the Indian reservations with King of the Cage, and they would... Um, you know, you'd have to bring, we'd bring all those guys out to help them do, like, some of the inspecting and stuff like that. And one thing led to another, and I ended up uh, getting the referee some matches. Um, that's probably not how it would happen today. Now, uh, it's a little bit more, it's a little bit more organized. Uh, you're supposed to take a, a certified course, a course that would certify you before your uh, commission would uh, hire you. Uh, there's a few other guys who do the courses. Um, I do one. My, I'm having my next one in May. It's going to be uh, May, uh, you know, single day Mayo weekend. It's going to be May 3rd and 4th out here in uh, Pasadena, California. And uh, I, yeah, I set it up. I have a shadow program that goes along with it. So, you know, I'm organizing it so that after you do the course, then you can actually come out and get some experience at a live event. It's a good time. But uh, so, yeah, but that, that's the thing is that not everybody does uh, – have experience with uh, martial arts. Uh, to pass my course, you, you should have experience with martial arts because you're going to have to teach me about positions and submissions and, and uh, you know, just watching it on TV is not enough. You know, we, we want people who understand the details of what they're looking at because, well, because it's, it's, it's important because, for one, it's, you know, people's careers are on the line, people's safety is on the line, and when you make a decision, you should have a reason for making it. You know, uh, you said something to me on the plane that was beautiful. You said that you're always very prepared because, you know, that person, those two people who are fighting, this could be the fight of their life. This could be a defining moment for their career. This could be, you know, you're looking out for a lot more things than what people think at home. People think you're just looking. You're also looking out for their safety, which is the number one thing on the card. Right. Well, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Each and every one of these fights are, are the most important fight in their career. 
you know, uh, and, and, and that's one of the things I, I teach people about uh, because I, I didn't realize it until I had actually got in there. So, hey, you know, yeah, I'll get in there and referee a match, and then it done. I mean, these people spend a lot of time away from their families, and, you know, there's a lot of smart guys in our sport who could do other things, and so this is what they want to do with their life. And, you know, we have to make decisions that are balancing their health and well-being, you know, against, you know, their dreams and goals. So each decision is, is very important to these guys. And uh, so it's, it, for me, uh, it's a, uh, I consider it a sacred trust. You know, I'm, I'm pretty uh, fanatical about it. It's almost like my religion. That's a, that's a beautiful thing. Now, what was the first UFC you worked? You know, I worked um, UFC... I don't know by the numbers. It was it was back in 2004. Wow! Um, I've been working working with the commission, and finally they gave me a chance into the uh, to referee the UFC. And yeah, yeah I mean, um, I, man, it's been a it's been a <laughs> been a great experience. Man, I've got to go all over the world and got to be in there for you know moments that you know are part of history. Get to be uh, you know get to be in there for a lot of great moments. What are your uh, What are some of the fights you've refed that you'll always remember okay well of course i'll always remember uh you know tim sylvia and 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 frank mir uh you know with the arm break right you uh, you, yeah, you ref that with. one and you know tim sylvia didn't want to stop and he didn't believe it but uh i read years later he came and apolo- apologized to you that you saved his career or something so yeah well, you know in the moment he's doing what he does you know he's he's trying to win the fight and uh you know, he he's one of those people he wants to fight at all times. Some some people look out for their own safety. In his mind, so well, I have another arm uh, that one's broken, and uh, so I can just use my other arm to knock the guy out. So that's the kind of uh, and that and then he's not making. You know, that's the kind. That's the way. You know, these guys think. Top notch guys. They just you know they want to keep going. They want to win. So yeah, but he did. Uh, later on, he you know he thanked me for that. Um, I've got to be in there with, you know, some Randy Couture fights. I've got to be in there. I even got the referee Horse Gracie once in, in wow. Japan. That was, that was pretty cool, you know. The guy who, you know, started all this for us. So, yeah. yeah. And people come up, and these fighters come up to you afterwards, and they have a lot of respect for you, Herb. You know, do you ever have guys that come up to you and will ask you, you know, doubt a call you made or, or something? Do you ever have that? Sometimes, yeah. A lot of times guys will come up and, and you know, the, and that's something that people do, should understand is that the fighters are, most of them, always very respectful and they respect the fact that, uh, you know, this sport has referees and, and, that, and that it is a sport. Uh, guys come up after and, and, you know, they ask me to explain some of my calls and, uh, you know, and as they deserve. You know, if you're going to make a decision that important, you should have a reason for why you made it. So I have no problem explaining my cause to them. Uh, you know, and as the uh, if guys at the moment, you know, you're in the moment, you don't know exactly what's happening. And, and uh, but after guys look at the tape and whatnot, a lot of them are are okay with the decisions made. Some aren't. Aren't some guys are always. You know, they they believe that they're always have a chance, and they believe that. Uh, that they don't always continue, and that's the type of attitude you have to have to, to win at that level. So, you know, I'm, I don't believe that they're always going to agree with me. But, you know, I should be okay with my decisions. So, yeah, I have no problem explaining to them. You know, we were talking on the plane about uh, the growth of the UFC and what that's, uh, we were talking about, like, a guy like yourself. You just got into this to be a referee. You figured you make a couple dollars on the weekend. You're around the people you like and your colleagues, and uh, look what it's become. Yeah, yeah, I, you know, 
Uh, and one, I, I didn't get into expecting that I would have this position that, you know, I would, you know, get to do all the things that I've got to do. But in a sense, I, I did expect the sport to be all that it would be. Um, you know, because I've, I've always believed that this is the best sport on earth, you know. Um, and uh, sometimes I would sit and watch some of the stuff that was on TV, and I'm like, really? That's on TV? And we can't get mixed martial arts on TV. Fucking poker, I got to sit there like a mook and... And even some golf, you want to sit, shoot yourself in the fucking head. Like you're sitting there going, exactly. I'm a grown man. What the fuck am I watching this guy swinging a little <laughs> stick for? What the fuck is wrong with me? Go out and stab somebody, uh, no, and, cocksucker. And I can't watch people fight on TV. Come on. So, uh, yeah, I, I always knew the sport would be what it was. Uh, did I think that, that people would have, uh, that it would be as, uh, I think, um, rewarding as far as, uh, you know, people having, you know, lots of respect for me or all the, uh, all the good things that it's been for me, I did not think that as a referee, I thought that, hey, you know, you're going to make your calls, you're going to make your decisions, and people are going to sometimes like you, sometimes hate you. Uh, refereeing most spot, uh, sports is pretty thankless. You know, the referees get, get it pretty rough. In this sport, people really respect the job we do and, and, and actually give us some respect for, for the job we do, which is like a, a pleasant bonus, you know. But uh, some, days, some days everybody's not happy with you. There's days when they're booing and, you know, throwing bottles at you, you know, so. I've never been at the ones when they've done that. I, you know, I always get okay seats, and, I, and I, I'm there listening to people, and people dig you. When you come out there, they clap for you. People dig you, man. Yeah, I know. That's, that's, yeah, that's really awesome. It's been a while since, since they were pissed off at me. But, yeah, no, they dig you. you that, that, that is awesome that people, uh, you know, people, are, it's, it's been a pleasant surprise, I'll tell you that. Oh, you know, man, this is, uh, this, the thing about the UFC is it really represents what's going on in society right now. And, 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 I'm, and I hate to take you there, but what's uh, happening, you know, when you watch the NFL, when I watch baseball, when I watch, uh, you know, the other fucking hockey or whatever the fuck else is on TV, I don't know who the commissioner is. I don't know who owns the teams. I don't know who trains the teams. I don't know nothing. In this business, and, 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 and this goes with Twitter, this goes with, you know, I say that we don't have fans anymore. When you and I were young guys, we had a picture of who on our wall? Bruce Lee or Will Chamberlain or fucking James Brown or, or Jim Brown as a running back. Those are the posters I had on my wall. I was fans of those people. You know what? I go to the UFC and I could shake fucking uh, Frank Mia's hand. I could shake your hand. I could exactly. shake fucking Dana White's hand. So it's a, a UFC event if you've never been to, and, and it's fucking amazing because go for yeah, the I, ticket, yeah. Yeah, you're right about that. Everybody, uh, yeah, the, the, I think I've met so many of the fans, and everybody in the sport is real approachable. I think, I don't know, I, I guess, you know, maybe it's because we're still happy that, uh, that you know, people are finally appreciating what we do, you know, and so, uh, yeah, I think everyone's always approachable. Everyone's always always thankful of, of you know because you're you're the fans of the sport are what make it a professional sport Please. so you know no one will be anywhere without the fans every i've seen you walk we were talking about you getting room service and walking through like you know this weekend wasn't bad like i walked around mandalay bay and a few people were like yelling joey karate you know whatever mad uh -huh. flavor go for, if you don't eat blue cheese go fuck your mother shit like that but when it's a UFC fight, bro, you can't walk through those things. People want to talk to you. And I've seen you run through. I've seen you, Joe Rogan, Buffer. It's like it's the mayor of It's like President of the United States coming. 
But and that's how involved. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Sometimes I gotta run. I'm not always that organized. So usually I need to allot in some time to hang out with people when I'm on my way. But you know me. Come on, I'm I'm on my way. I'm late for work. You know, so that's when I'm running. You know. No, you're late uh, for work. Yeah. Sometimes I can be late too. So. So yeah. break down this referee school for me. It's May third, fourth, and fifth. Yeah, May 3rd and 4th, and it's going to be in Pasadena, California. You can go to HerbDean.com, uh, MMA Referee School. Come on out. We're going to talk about the unified rules. We're going to talk about mechanics, and we're going to talk about judging criteria. We do judging and refereeing. So judging is on the first day, um, and then to uh, do be a referee, you need to take both courses. And then hopefully, which I'm pretty sure I've got it lined up, we're going to line it up with a shadow event. We're going to go to a camo amateur event, and... Uh, the guys are going to shadow. You're going to shadow inspectors, shadow other officials. Uh, those who do get certified, uh, they can get licensed with Camel and actually officiate matches. And, uh, you know, get get the whole thing. People travel from all over to do it. People travel from all over the world. So it's, you know, it's, it's going to be a good group of people. It's a lot of fun. No, like I was saying, people sometimes don't know where to start, bro. They just don't know where yeah. to start in their life. They don't know, you know, and they... Uh... They say to themselves, fuck it, you know, I'll just keep doing what I'm doing because nobody's going to help me become a referee or even learn how to do it. Or, And at least uh, people know now where the hell they're going. What else do you do, Dean, during the week? You do some personal training and you teach also? You know, during the week I, I train. I go, um, I, uh, I, I, you know, do my sport. I also have a, a Jubilee house. I, I run a, um, you know, I run a facility for, uh, for ladies to, you know, help them get back to uh, – who you know kind of off their feet and help them get back to uh, you know wealth and their family and things like that. And so uh, there's a few things I do to stay busy. I didn't know about the Jubilee House. Where's that located? It's in Pasadena. Okay, Pasadena, California. And women go there yeah. when they're having a hard time in their lives, or exactly. Good for you, man. Yeah, we, yeah, we work with some of the you know organizations out here in, in our area. You know, like yeah. I, like I was telling you on the plane, I didn't want to tell you when I came from Cuba. Uh, I was exposed to the whole black culture, and I look up to it a lot. I, I love the whole African-American thing, dog. And uh, when I think of you, you're a smooth motherfucking black man, dog. Honest to God. <laughs> you know, you remind me of a, for you, you're the, you're the ref, you're the Marvin Gaye referee, dog. You're just a smooth brother, oh, man. Oh, no. How, you're how a smooth so motherfucking wow, that's, brother. That's my, that's my hero right there. Oh, Marvin man. Gaye. We, uh, I had a breakdown. Uh, I want you last week on the podcast. And a little bit about Marvin Gaye and what he meant to me. You know, like, we were talking about the plane, how rap. And I was saying how I like rap, but my heart is with fucking Marvin Gaye and David Ruffin and The Temptations yeah, yeah, and, that's, and Rick James. Yeah, we were you know. talking music. Yeah, I didn't know that you were so into music, man. We're on the plane and, I mean, you were breaking it down, you know? Oh, I, and then, of I, I course, love... I've always been a fan of, you know, I've always been kind of obsessed with Cuban music. You know, uh, I think, uh, especially, uh, like you said, uh, you know, that that's a place where you know African culture is really uh really there you know uh you know uh, it's a whole different experience than here so I've I've always loved that music. No, we uh we music is you know we work out the music everything I do that's a soundtrack brother, and if the music yeah. is right, everything's right. And I tell you man, I'm happy that you called in today. I'm sure a lot of people are gonna get a big kick out of you. They're going to go over to HerbDeanGood.com and see what you're about. You're a gentleman and a scholar, brother, and I love what you do. Hey, hey, thanks for having me on, Joey. And even uh, right. Lee, Lee, the Doing flying you. Jew, the producer of the show, when I told him you were going to be on, he's just starting to get into UFC. He's like, he was excited. So say hello, Lee. Hey, Herb. 
Hey, what's happening, Lee? Not much. I actually, I uh, I forgot to tell Joey we were talking about refereeing earlier, and I I used to ref uh, uh, baseball like when I was in high school, and it was it was tough. And I wanted to ask you, how do you? Because when I watch the fights on TV, it's going by so fast, and it, it, every other sport it's going fast, and refs sometimes get shit. But like, how do you train? Is that part of like what your school is going to be? Is it, do you train them to like slow it down and, and really look at what focus on what's happening? Yeah, and we we try, we do that. We also uh, we talk a lot about position. You know that uh, you're going basically you're running a checklist at all times of, of what are the possibilities and where things can happen. So you always want to be in a in a position where you can see the majority of the things that are happening. And sometimes it's going to happen where you're out of position. You can't call what you can't see. But that's mostly what it's about is being in a good position so you can see what's going on and, and make some good decisions. And that's cool. And, it's, and the other thing uh, before I let you go is that. Uh... I, I didn't know that you did other MMA events. Like I, th- I thought it was like other sports where there's different levels and you move up. But you, you work for the state athletic commissions, and you're just doing every event that you can. Yeah, I do every event. I love, you know, I, 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 I mean, some of the best fights I see, I see in, in small events. One of the best fights I ever see, I referee Uriah Faber and uh, Tyson Griffin in a, in a, in a parking lot at a, a show that was put on in a parking lot on, a, on an Indian uh, casino. So. Um, you know, no matter where you're at, there's going to be some good fights happening. Hey, man, so, the best uh, fight or, or, I saw was at a White you know, Castle I, I, in I like Jersey. It. I, I stay up to date with all the guys. Like uh, when Husamar Paharis, uh, you know, I started fighting in the UFC, I'd already had some uh, experience with him because I'd been going down to Sao Paulo and refereeing his matches then. So I knew, hey, once that man grabs your foot, you better be on it because uh, violence is about to happen. You know? <laughs> I love you, Herb. Have a great week uh, and... Uh, be good up in Seattle and next time on Marvin Gaye's birthday I'll call you and we'll break down Marvin for these motherfuckers that's right for certain thank you brother stay black have a great week man peace I'm happy we had him today that was a great call he just made me happy he made me so happy if uh, whenever you see him he always smiles and he's a good guy and that's what I judge people on how I see him when they interact with these people who go to Vegas I mean the people who go to UFC fights are not rich people they're fans, and they they make a week of it. You know, they might live, the fights might be in Minneapolis, but they might be in Chicago, and they see the dates, and they go, "Let's make a weekend of it for the one thing a year." For the one event. thing a year that's going to be, and they go and they get hotel rooms, and they put away fifty dollars a week, and they're fucking whatever. And when they, you know, and they go, and, and the only thing that makes your weekend better is the reactions from Dana White and Joe Rogan and and these guys. So this guy's a gentleman. So it was a pleasure having him on here today. And like he was saying. Lee Syed, the flying Jew, Sunday, Hanukkah for you bad motherfucking Jews. You know, I got a ton of fucking love and respect for you. Make sure you come in 9 a.m. This is Lee's show Sunday. I'm co hosting Lee Sunday. So Lee's going to be playing the Jewish music. We're going to have the Gazelda fish. (laughs) The whole fucking thing here. We're going to let the spirit come in. Who is the spirit's name? Uh, Elijah. Elijah's coming over. He's going to bring some reefer. Oh my and god! And a packet full of fucking pennies and shit. <laughs> Jews don't fuck around. That, do you know what one of the things is on Hanukkah? It's what? it's one of the most hilarious things. It's called the Afikomen. And at the end of the night, the parents hide a piece of matzah, that cracker thing. And I'm sure not every family does it, but a lot of the families that I know, the ki- the little kids who find it, they get money for it. So it's just every night. They, How much you get? 
a couple bucks. It's oh, only... That's not bad. Let but me it's... ask you this, Lee. I don't, I don't want you to tell Jew secrets here. I don't want to get <laughs> killed. I don't need some fucking Gaza strip throwing rocks at me and fucking <laughs> shoot me in the fucking head. So I don't want no Jew secrets. I'll consult the manual well, before I answer. Consult the manual and just keep it light. I don't want to insult nobody. You understand me? Especially when it comes to the Jews. You don't want to get on that bad corner. <laughs> Next thing you know, I go to the bank and I got no money left. And, shit. <laughs> and they give me a picture of the fucking Jew smiling. Yeah. <laughs> Science, motherfuckers. It's Monday, bitches. This is it. This is the day you've been waiting for all your fucking life. You understand me? Yeah. I'm over. I'm stoned to the gills. Like. And speaking speaking of Hanukkah, before we before we get to the music, um, what how you've been doing with the working out with the Onnit stuff? Let me tell you something. Fucking Onnit shit. Is getting better because I know it was going to take a couple weeks for strong uh, strong bone to set in. Yeah. Last week I had a rough week with the kickboxing. They made me jump rope and they made me do a lot of things like that. Like I I'm used to running, but the jumping rope really hurt my feet and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I tell you what, I'm up to that level where I popped three of those strong bones, and I was in like Flynn. I had no pain. Mm-hmm. I have no fucking pain. And it's, it's, it took a couple of days. It takes two or three weeks for the strong bone to kick in. That's why you always order two of them. But again, thanks to Lee for reminding me, this podcast and every podcast we do is brought to you by Onnit. Go to Onnit.com. Look at their fine line of products, whether it's New Mood, whether it's fucking uh, 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 Strong Bone, whether it's the hemp uh, protein. I, I love this fucking thing. That's what I did this morning. I, I didn't have time for breakfast, mm-hmm. so I just went and made a fucking hemp force milkshake real quick. 16 grams of protein. Look at me. I'm happy. I'm farting. I got fucking fiber in there. Things are moving around. You got the shroom tech. You got the power. Get the shroom tech. The new mood works phenomenally. I love it, yeah. You know, I go to fucking sleep. on. Have you been taking it? Yeah. How long have you been taking it for? Don't be bullshitting me. Like, I took it the first night you gave it to me last week. But you have to build up in your system. You I mean, it, it makes sense. With every medicine you take, they say it takes a while. Like any allergy, it takes pill, a while. You have a whole body. It's not gonna like go in and. I mean, it's not like drugs where you take a little bit and you finally feel it. It's like it takes a while. And a couple people hit me up that they went and ordered and they tapped in church and they said no because he had it under mad flavor. But starting now, December first, go there and it's under church. Look at that fucking hemp force protein. You want to lose some weight? Just replace. A couple of years ago, there was a big problem. I'm not here. I don't want to get sued. I just heard this. And I didn't hear this from I'm not, I heard this from other people. That like, uh, what was the state? Slim Fast. Mm-hmm. Remember Slim Fast? People yeah. were doing that. It wasn't enough protein and shit like that. And people were getting sick because they weren't doing it. This shit at least has protein. You got vitamins. You got minerals. If you mix it with the fucking, uh, with the new mood, if you mix it with the alpha brain, I tell you, that strong bone is great. Because what a lot of people don't tell you, that they mix them together. The glucosamine and the other one, they mix them together. And that's how they sell it to you for eight ninety five or whatever. This is a little bit more, but it's got so many more minerals in it. And I'll tell you what, I don't, listen, I can sit here with you and read through them. And that's what I did when I wrote out the, the outline. I tried to get all... Uh, technical, and I didn't want to sound like a fucking fake smart guy, so I'm not going to blow smoke on you. I try this shit. It's like for years, people were like, oh, they show up with these little containers, and you put the blow in there, and you had to shake it up and look at it, and if it wasn't purple, it wasn't pure. What, what are you talking about? I just fucking killed the Colombian for this. You're going to show up with your fucking chemistry set. Go fuck your mother. The best test for anything is right here in the nose. When I go to White Castle, wherever I go to Taco Bell, which I don't go, but when you go, what's the test? Your mouth, how it tastes, 
and how it feels when it comes out of that fucking asshole. If it fucking feels funky coming out of your asshole and it feels funky in your stomach, it ain't good. You don't need no fucking scientist to skull no because it's got no meat in it. You know it sucks. <laughs> you know it sucks. But with all this shit, listen, when I took a couple months ago, I went to some webpage. A buddy of mine said, go to bodybuilding.net or and buy this mineral they have on it. And I bought it, and for two weeks I felt shitty. It raised my blood pressure. I kept having headaches. I was like, what the fuck is this? And I realized I was taking this product. I stopped taking I felt great again. Ever since I've been on the fucking omnis stuff, I feel better, I look better, my, my mood is better, I'm more relaxed. Mm -hmm. So it's gotta be fucking working. So just do me a favor, go to Omnit. They got mix and max packages. So you don't have to just buy like eight or one thing. So you can buy a new mood, you could buy a fucking uh, a protein, and you could buy a strong, and just start with that. Start taking a walk around the block. Like Mike Dolce said, just a fucking uh, a thing for the mailbox. And let's pretend you do this for 90 days and you lose one pound, but you're walking five miles. Well, guess what? Now you're a healthy fat fuck. Yeah. If you're drinking water, you're not drinking soda, if you're not eating ice cream, and you only lost a pound, don't give up. You didn't gain weight. You didn't gain weight. At least be a healthy fat fuck. Walk the five miles a day. Be good to your fucking heart. That's it. Be a good friend to yourself. The same way I'm a friend to you, the same way Lee's a friend to me. We're all fucking friends. I'm here with you, you're with me, and they're with fucking us. Before Herb Dean called, I got to get more stone and prepare for this shit. We got to break out the real reefer. Fuck this fucking poop with whatever. Where's the real shit? Lee even smoked some reefer this morning. I had to. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, Herb Dean was a cool guy. He, he was a, another one of the fighter guys who was, uh, like, a very mellow. Yeah, I'm going to try to get Clay Guido to call. I'm going to get a couple guys to call. We're smoking Herb. It's Monday, bitches. Before Herb called, cool motherfucker, I also do a little D supplement. Can you believe I got a blood test? Lab? In fact, I got to go in today or tomorrow, and I'm low on D, vitamin D. I live out here with the fucking sun. That's how much pollution there is. It blocks everything. Motherfucking filthy armpit place. Anyway. Before my man Herb Dean called, I was telling you about Batato and Totico. P-A-T-A-T-O. E is a Y. Totico. T-O-T-I-C-O. Two Cuban dudes that put a, a couple albums together, but the, the, the most noticeable one is 1968. Listen, bro, this song's got 10, fuck, this album's got 10 songs on it, and all of them are fucking monsters. The first one I'm going to start with. It's one of my personal fucking favorites, and it's called Ingrato Corazon. Lee's going to start it for the 14th second. I want you to listen to the congas, the guitar, and then we're going to cover another one. Hit it, Lee. <clears throat> listen to that fucking bass in there. Just dropping on you. Listen to the congas, though. Listen to the fucking cuts. Boom. Listen to that cut. Are you kidding me? If that guy smashed in the face, it's all over for you. This is the heart and soul of fucking Cuba. This guy singing, Eugene Totico, listen to his voice. Hit it! Oh yeah, Gully. Now he drops them. Oh, 
These guys were Abaquas, so it was based Abaqua music, and, and you could feel Totico's fucking voice in his, uh, and that song is about he's breaking up with his girlfriend, and, uh, and Grotto caught a song, which means ingrateful fucking heart. I'm dropping on you motherfuckers. I'm giving you what makes me tick, bitches. The next song is a song called Agua Que Va Caer. It's called uh, Water Is Gonna Fall. And I heard once, this is the song, this is what my stepfather said to me one day, this is the song they played for you before they fucking took you out the ocean and slit your fucking throat. Oh my God. Yeah, this is real. This is the Abaquas. Abaquas don't eat pussy. It's a society uh, that dedicates their life to San Lazaro. And they were all longshoremen. And it was the, the last real men's society. They don't like, uh, they don't like a lot of things. I don't agree with a lot of their facts, but I do like the... Uh, the, the love they had for their brotherhood. This wasn't about money or drugs. This is about just men. And uh, if you ever see a Cuban and they got that little fucking thing on their hand right here, right in that little cusp there, just turn around. They're fucking out by quads. But this song here, I want you to listen to his voice. Like, they always talk about rap music. And when you listen to Totico's voice, and what he, there's a song in here about me, me barrio. It's about his, his neighborhood. You got to see how he sings about his fucking neighborhood. Uh, a good friend of mine, I don't like the name, uh, a good friend of mine told me that when you walk into Puff Daddy's house, he's got a cover of this album in one of his walls. Huge. Puff Daddy, this is the real deal, people. This is the start of everything. It started right here. It started in fucking Africa. When you see the exorcist and you see him fighting the two dogs there in Arabia fucking land, that's a part of Africa. Hit this fucking song, I'll walk out, walk out. It's about ice and mother taking you to your fucking last... But it means that water is going to fall, like it's falling in California today. Oh, shit, Lee. Malo tiempo, yo no quiero que me traigan desatino en mi soledad. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me, Lee? Are you kidding me or what? I want to see you play now. Oh, it's tremendous. I play with my uncle on Mondays. This is fucking amazing, guys. These motherfuckers ain't fucking around. <laughs> Is this something your mom would play in the house a lot? Yeah, they would play this. They didn't have it on 45 when I was a kid, but they had it. Uh, well, they had it on, uh, on uh, the whole album. The album is amazing. It's got Reso Abacua. It's got a uh, look for a song called Mi Barrio on there. It's the same people. Okay. Mi Barrio on there. Look at Joe Burns. He's like, let me give a shout out to some of the fucking stars of this podcast, the real motherfucking stars. See, I can't. I write this shit down. Mitch Nutter, you know I love you. Rooster Neck, Bubba Duncan, Andrew Chidley, Colin Nelch, Leon Spinks, 
Anthony Sacco, Michigan, I love you. I'm trying to get to Michigan. Michigan, I'll be out there soon. You know I love it. This is the fucking hand. I love you motherfuckers. I love your dirty, freaky white women, too, with dirty heels and fucking freckles. <laughs> happy birthday to Ozzy Osbourne, and has happy birthday to my man Peter Marin. You know I love you motherfuckers. Joe Burns, it's on the way, my man Chill, always in the house with his fucking swing and his Joey Diaz. Go to iTunes and check it out. What else, Lee? What else? Did you find that song? Yeah, Mario? I got it. Play it from like the 15-second mark. And just listen to this guy's voice describe his neighborhood. That's it. He's talking about his fucking hood. His hood, which is all raps about. Que unido estará para siempre En un lazo de amistad que nos une Con sinceridad Oye, oye, tiene mi barrio los sitios, caramba Damn Que un ambiente colectivo Lo mismo es bobo que vivo Se defiende a su manera Yo no digo que supera a ningún barrio vecino Pues siento capitalino bonco Que es igual que otro cualquiera Tenemos el parque Finlay Damn I yeah. can't even tell you what he's saying. Is, is, it because, is it because of what he's saying? Or like, why is it uh, affecting you so much? Uh, just the way he's dropping. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. He's just talking about, low. put that online. He's just talking about his boundaries, what he goes through, his days. And just uh, how brilliant it is. It's just a conga drum and a guy singing. That's it. That's it. That's intense. And a bass. Now is he playing or is he just singing? He could be playing too. He played too. Oh Now there's another one. It said Nuestro Barrio. Is that is that no, one you've heard? No? Okay. Cut that motherfucker. That's how you end the fucking podcast. The album cover on YouTube is the little guy sitting in front of uh, of a street with two congas, red and white congas, which signifies Chango. And that's the one album they have on YouTube. The real fucking album on YouTube is the one with them standing on the wall on 130th Street and over there by fucking Spanish Harlem. That's where that picture was taken. Totico is six foot four and Patato is five foot fucking plain. So that's the album cover you're looking for. I hope you enjoyed the show today. It's Monday show. Don't forget tonight at midnight. Light a candle for Chango if you want to pray. If you got something going on in your life that you want it to come through for you. Uh, what else? This Sunday we got a show, a gambling show. Danny Bianculo's giving me some love. Ida, my man's giving me some love. Donna, I love you motherfuckers always. Uh, September, December 13th, where are we? We're at the fucking Madhouse Comedy Club in San Diego. Lee's cool not club. coming down. School club. Lee can't come. He's working that night. And the 21st, I'm at fucking the end of the world show with Stan Hope and Joe motherfucking Rogan. I'm stoned today. <laughs> I gotta go do some shit today. I gotta go to work today, too. I got two jobs to do today. And, oh, shit. And that's it, man. We'll be back Wednesday, you bad motherfuckers. Again, thank you for all the people who tuned in. Thank you for all the shout-outs. I want to thank Herb Dean. 
And thank you. Hey, listen, man, the music I played today, it might not be you. I'm just trying to open up your fucking eyes. So when you're at a party and some motherfucker wants to throw in Tom Waits with his cool shit, you go, stop, bitch. I got Potato and Totico from Joey Diaz here who are going to drop this motherfucker. And all the girls will say, oh, my God, you like Spanish music. You're so used to And that's how you get your dick sucked. And that's what Mondays are about. Stay black. Give him a kiss, Lee Sia. What are you going to play him out with? Well, Lee? I'm going to play him out with, uh, I got off the uh, Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath album. I got Looking for Today. How about National Acrobat? Okay. Um, and while that's loading up, just for everyone, because I'm sure you guys want to know, it's P-A-T-A-T-O-E, which is Y-T-O-T-I-C-O. And that's the source. So Potato and Totico. Y is and. So. Yeah. Just remember that. That's how, that's how we dropping it for you, motherfuckers. Mitch Nutter, I love you too. Hiding from my wife is a popular podcast. Don't forget to listen to it. He does a good job on that crazy <laughs> motherfucker. Hit it, Lee. Oh, shit. Go out there and do your thing for them motherfuckers. You got a dream. Stop dreaming. Go out there and fucking do it. Tell them all to suck your dick. The church of what's happening now. Stay black. Roma Kiss, Lee.